0: Listener Production. It's often said, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And in the startup world, who you know can be the difference between success and failure. A quick way to fast track your startup and meet the right people is to join an accelerator, a shiny, happy place where seriously connected people open their address book and their chequebooks. those who make the cut in today's episode you'll discover how to crack the accelerator code and muscle your way into a club where many are called but few are chosen i'm bernadette schwirt and this is how to build an online business did you know that there are people out there who will pay you twenty five thousand dollars to build your startup that's right twenty five thousand dollars but that's not all they'll do. They'll also provide you with mentors to guide and advise you, get you meetings with people you'd never have access to, help you find customers, introduce you to investors and tech partners and other important people. Who are these people? What do they want in return? And how can you get in on the action? Trevor Townsend, the co-founder of Startup Bootcamp, tells us how you can get on board the accelerator train. Startup Bootcamp. What
1: is it, Trevor? So Startup is an accelerator program. And essentially what we do is we help startup founders scale their business. And the way we do that is we connect them with mentors, uh, investors and corporate partners. And within a three-month program, uh, we help them really shape their business.
0: People often get accelerators and incubators confused. Can you tell us the difference in your mind?
1: Yeah, yeah, certainly. Well, it's in the word itself. Accelerator is about really fast, yeah? Um, So incubators typically take early stage ideas where people maybe just have an idea or very early on and they need a bit of time like six months, 12 months to kind of get that idea going and and really kind of think about it and maybe get their business. They may even be part-time then. Um, accelerators are really more about established businesses, uh, we say at the pre-seed stage and pre-seed, seed seed means your first round of external money. Um, so accelerators are about taking companies who are just about to raise money and then really, really accelerate their growth in a short period of time. Um, so that's the central difference. Incubators, incubate like a, like an egg, like a baby. Yeah. Accelerators, you're on a rocket. Yeah. We're seeing a lot of these
0: accelerators pop up around the country and internationally. Why are we seeing this happen?
1: Oh, well... I think for a couple of reasons. Um, one is, I mean, startups are the future of work, right? And so governments and corporates and others uh, see that um, helping startups is a good way to help the economy, uh, to create the new businesses, to, to create economic activity, and, and so forth. But I also think because of the the tech uh, market. Like, it's been going, um, you know, since the the 90s, right? So I'm a tech entrepreneur from, you know, the late 90s. um, And, you know, we all got a bit older now. So there's a lot of us who are doing this to give back. And I came at this through angel investing um, and... Uh, that's putting money into into young startups and then you see the accelerator model is a very structured way to do that so it's a good way for people um, who are like wanting to give back to get involved in the startup community who owns startup bootcamp so the ownership structure of startup bootcamp is um, quite interesting really so it was started by four th- founders uh, two in Copenhagen, uh, two in Amsterdam, um, and they own the brand. But in each country that it runs, it's really like a joint venture uh, between the local entrepreneur, in this case myself, and my business partner, Richard Selm, um, and the guys overseas. So, And in each country, that's replicated. So lo- local ownership, you need to be connected into the local community To run an accelerator, you need to know people, you need to be part of the ecosystem and so forth. But what we get from the brand, from Startup Bootcamp, is obviously the brand itself, which is absolutely fantastic, but also, and more importantly, we get all the materials and all the know-how in terms of running it. So we're not making up an accelerator here in Melbourne. We're actually running a proven model that's run uh, over, um, I think now, 60-something times around the world.
0: We often see accelerators divided up into sectors, you know, energy or health or fintech. What is Startup Bootcamp? Does it have a focus in
1: particular? So we run 21 programs across 13 cities around the world, and we have we are very sector-focused. So fintech is our largest sector, uh, or largest vertical, sorry, to use the right term, and we run that in eight cities around the world now. Uh, we have IoT, we have medtech. We have um, Smart Cities, and here in Melbourne, we have Energy and Fintech, which are two separate programs. It's very important to be specialised, very, very important. So we're going to help a founder with his business in a particular segment. Let's just use Energy as an example. So we want to surround that people, surround that startup founder with people who actually know about that industry, who actually have the contacts, who really um, understand how the industry works from the inside. Because a lot of times founders can disrupt industries because they're looking at it from the outside, which is fantastic, but they don't know where to start or how to break in and so forth. So by connecting them, the founder, with industry experts, in the case of mentors, we allow them to actually learn and understand about the industry very, very quickly and get help and get access to people that um, that they may not otherwise get access to.
0: So if I'm sitting here listening to this podcast and I'm thinking, I want to be a part of this accelerator, what's the process I need to take to get in?
1: So all the accelerators have roughly the same process. So they open for applications and that that period of time could be one month, two months, three months. We normally hold ours open for three months. So um, use your friend Google for a start, right? Start Googling accelerators in your domain. So if you're, if you're doing an e-commerce startup or a fintech startup, Google fintech startups accelerators. Find out where they are in the world and when their applications open. Start looking at the reviews of those accelerators and see which ones have been successful and where the startup founders have done well out of them. And then each of them will have its own unique Application process, but for most of them, it's you know applying online and then having a call with the people who are organising it, meeting them in person, Um, going to a pitch day. So pitching is really important um, as part of an accelerator process, and most accelerator programs will have some kind of pitch event on the way up to selection uh, to get in. So really, if you're interested in an accelerator, first is inform yourself about your segment. Uh, work out which ones you want to apply to. It doesn't matter if you apply to many, by the way, Um, it's probably good uh, for you to do that because you'll get experience about that. You'll understand the questions they ask, what they're looking for and so forth. And if you get a chance to pitch your business at lots of different pitch events, uh, that's Absolutely, great way to promote yourself. Great way to find people who may also be passionate about the topic that you're passionate about, and you start to build your network. And that could be a network of mentors, investors, or people who want to work for you, or work with you, or partner with you. How popular is the program, and is it really hard to get in? Oh, they're extremely hard to get in. Um, so we start off with a list of around four to five thousand startups. Um, When we were recruiting for our program, Um, myself and my business partner Richard, uh, we do a world tour. We visit 25 cities around the world and we'll meet face to face somewhere between 250, 300 startups through that process. We will then go through a shortlisting process and multiple Skype calls with probably the top 100. And then we invite the top 20 to come to Melbourne for what we call our selection days. That's a four-day process and there's two days of that where they're pitching to about 150 people and getting questioned by those people. And then we essentially crowdsource from that 20 which 10 get into the program. Tell me about that crowdsourcing experience. Yeah, look, it's fantastic. So we have these round tables. um, So we have maybe two or three mentors per table and then the startups move around and they'll do something like 20 interviews with those mentors, 20 20 minutes each. And then each of the mentors will score the startup and they'll they'll look at the business, the business opportunity, but most importantly, they'll look at the founders of the business what have they done, what's their experience and why are they doing this, right? That is the key. Why are they doing this? Why are they passionate about solving this problem, passionate about this business and why are they going to succeed? So we get them to then rate and we'll have 150 people will rate those startups. And then the selection committee, which is a a, a small team of us, we will go through those ratings, we'll have our own opinions. And um, typically the top six or seven self-select, right? It's it's kind of obvious uh, after all that process, six or seven will just shine. And then there'll be, you know, the next group and then there'll be a bit of wrangling around that next group to say, well, okay, who really fits the program? And our question to ourselves is always, who can we help the most? Because... If we can help them the most, then they'll be the most successful, they'll get the most out of the program, um, that'll be great for them, it's also great for the program. So we're always asking ourselves, of the startups who apply, how can we help them? If we don't think we can help them, then we don't take them in. So if you apply for an accelerator and you don't get in, it doesn't mean your business idea is bad, it doesn't mean that you're not a good startup founder, it may mean that you're just not right for that program. And and the timing's wrong, or or the program can't really help you. So let's say I've got in, and I'm all excited. Congratulations, thank you. It's a bit like Survivor, isn't it? It is. You know, it's no, like Survivor, it's, for yeah, accelerators. Survivor for Accelerators.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I'm <laughs> in. I turn up on day one. What happens? Oh, you get to listen to me. No, um, so we have about seventy workshops over a three month period. Right. Um, so if you can imagine that, um, it's 12 weeks, you know, we've got six or seven workshops every single, every single week. So typically we'll have a workshop in the morning on a topic. So that may be fundraising. It may be how to deal with stakeholders, maybe about how to build your team, maybe about product market fit and so forth. Um, so we'll have that segment in the morning and then in the afternoon, the founders are typically working on their, um, on their business or meeting with mentors. So over a 12-week period, we had something like 1,400 mentor meetings with the startups, right? So they're very, very busy during that time. You've got workshops in the morning. You've got meetings in the afternoon. We get very high-profile people to come in um, in the evenings, sort of the 5 to 7 o'clock, and we do Ask Me Anything. So we get entrepreneurs, people in the industry and so forth who will come in and then talk um, about their experiences and, and the startup founders can just ask them anything, anything they like. Um, those sessions are invaluable, obviously, um, and they're getting great access to, um, you know, really high quality, high quality people. So it's a very, very busy, busy time. We have a lot of social events during that uh, 12-week period as well. So if we kind of unpack it a little bit, we have three... Three components, design, build, sell. The design piece is a startup will come in and they will have a business that's already running maybe some traction in the market. And we get them to pull apart the business model and the product and the customer they're serving and really examine, do they really know who their customer is? Do they know why that customer would buy their product? And do they know where that market is and how to find that customer? And we really go on that customer needs, customer problem. So during that design piece, we basically pull apart their business and get them to put it back together. In the build piece, it is about putting it back together and then going out and try to get what we call non-vanity metrics. That is, go out and talk to businesses, if it's B2B, business-to-business sales, or if it's business-to-consumer, go out and talk to real buyers. Identify those buyers Talk to them about your proposition and see whether or not you can get some level of traction with them—a sign-up, a contract, or so forth. So we run a lot of in the energy space, for example, we run a lot of what we call proof of concepts or proof of value with our uh, with our partners. So we get real projects. So, for example, in January we ran a project at the Royal Children's Hospital. Where we are looking at their energy usage and optimising uh, their energy usage for them, um, so that's a real project we run during the, during the um, program, and then the startup gets valuable data out of that, valuable feedback from that customer about whether or not what they're offering I- I- is useful, would they pay for it, how much would they pay for it, and so forth, and we really use that to hone down um, their um, proposition. In the last three to four weeks. A lot of it's about getting investors. So we have lots of investor meetings. We have investor sneak peeks where we get the top um, uh, VCs, venture capitalists, all in a room together, maybe 20 or 30 of them with the startups, and they pitch and then they give them brutal, honest feedback. So they're not really asking for money. They're pretending they're asking for money, but they're getting their proposition out. And these guys then give them really brutal feedback about or why are you investable or not, or what are you missing, and so forth. And then we then they work on that over the period of time through the accelerator, so that at the end of the accelerator, if they if they are out in the market raising money, uh, then they know the questions that they're going to be asked. They know what people are looking for. They got some idea about the valuation, how much the company is worth, and how much of a percentage of that company they need to give up in in exchange for money.
0: In terms of the people who are coming to the program, they, they might be from overseas. So they've got to give away three months of their life to come here and work
1: full-time on this. Correct. Yeah. So our last program, for example, we had seven of the 10 companies uh, from overseas uh, working on the program, Lithuania, USA, South Korea, India, UK, probably missed one here, but yeah, um, New Zealand as well. Yeah.
0: And Can you maybe tell me about the profile of the people who come in terms of their ages?
1: Because what I'm thinking is three months
0: out of your life, you maybe have kids, a marriage, a job. How do they manage to, you know, fold away three months of their lives in Australia?
1: So uh, just on the last piece, we will not take anyone in if their job is not the startup that they're working on. They need to have committed, right? If they're not going to commit full time to their startup, why would I or anybody else give them money, Yeah. So they have to actually believe in it. They need to be. They need to have invested their own time and their own money in their startup uh, to get it going. Um, so that's number one. Um, very few accelerator programs will take in part-time companies. Incubators will, because it's about the early stage. And if you are at that early stage, if you just have an idea and you still need to earn an income to pay your mortgage or to feed yourself and things like that you should be looking for an incubator to go in because then you can work X number of hours on your startup per week and still get your income until the point and you may have to save up or draw on your mortgage or whatever to the point where you're ready to fully commit on on that business. We have full-time people who are working on their business coming in. They're all at different life stages. We had early 20s, I think our... Our oldest guy, Oleg, um, he was 57 when he came in, so quite a mix. I think the average age around uh, is mid-30s in the accelerator program. These are people who have got some industry experience, have got some good life experience and so forth, and have got to the point where they're really committing to their business idea. So, yes, they pack up. They come over here for three months. Um, we say we change their lives. And I think the feedback we get is we do. It's very intense. You know. It's a very intense 12-week period. Um, and we try to accelerate 12 or 18 months growth of that startup into three months. And if we can do that, we actually save them time. You know, it's kind of obvious, but, you know, we're getting done in 18 months, getting them the contacts, the feedbacks, the access to investors, all of that. We're getting that done in three months that if they were trying to knock on people's doors and get those meetings, it would take them a year, a year and a half to do. So after that three months, they should be up and running. They should be really going. Or in some cases, very few, they could decide, actually, this startup is not going to work. Which is
0: probably a good thing because why invest another couple of years of your life on something that maybe doesn't have that proof of concept?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you um, go through that validation process and you realise, hey, there's never going to be enough money in this business to support the amount of staff that's needed to run it, then there's no point in doing it, even if it is a fantastic idea. Or more so, you probably need to rethink the way you're doing it. If it's a fantastic idea, there'll be another way to do it. And, you know, we call that in startup land pivoting. But, you know, you will need to pivot. You cannot run a business model that loses money, that's reliant on your money or other investors' money to, um, to keep going. If I was
0: looking at investing my time in an education piece, I think I would rather do three months at an incubator or an accelerator rather than three years' in tertiary education. What are your thoughts on
1: that? It's it's, it's very interesting. I, I, I wouldn't uh, put down um, tertiary education. I have an uh, undergraduate degree and a graduate diploma, and I think I learnt a lot about learning, um, you know, during that process. And I also think that um, prob- mostly, and, you know, uh, I'll use Zuckerberg and people like that are a complete uh, example, against this, but, you know, most people are too young at 18 or 19 to really start their own business. They don't have enough life experience and so forth. Now, there are cases where absolutely they do and they just go with it and, and they've got a great idea and off they go and that that's just fantastic. But most people take time to develop and, and, and so forth. So I, I still think a traditional university degree is great, uh, but there's no um reason why you should not start your entrepreneurial activities whilst at uni. So most of and uh, I know the Melbourne uh, university scene quite well, RMIT, Swinburne, Monash, Melbourne, they all have very very strong entrepreneurial clubs that you can be involved in while you're at university. They all run things like hackathons um for example, where you can get together and form teams to help solve problems. There are hackathons themed in different ways. So we're running one shortly with Downer, um, around we're calling it Hack the City and it will be at Fed Square and we're looking at city problems.
0: This is so, Downer the engineering firm. Yes, yeah. correct.
1: Yeah. Right. So we invite university students or young entrepreneurs to come along, spend two days looking at some of these problems. And form a team. Now, if you don't have a team, you could come along and form the team while you were there. While you're there, get to know some people, develop some ideas. Now, that's sometimes how business ideas or businesses are are formed, right? So, I, you know, my suggestion would be you would go to uni, but while you're there, don't just study your course. Get involved if you got if you want to be in a startup. Get involved in all the entrepreneurial activities. And if you hit on something really big, just quit uni and do it.
0: I'm Bernadette Schwert and this is How to Build an Online Business. More after the break. In terms of the share that you take, what, what does that look
1: like? So we take eight percent equity in the startups. Um, And so typically these are startups without evaluation as they're coming in because they they are pre-seed, i.e. they haven't raised external money. Um, And then for that equity, uh, we provide the program, but then we provide ongoing mentorship and advisory uh, for the startup. We help them with their fundraise, for example. So typically, and these are very broad numbers, we typically value a startup coming into the program at around $800,000. That's just a nominal value. And this is a startup usually with very little traction and so forth. We take our 8% um, at, at the start. Typically, when they leave, they're raising somewhere between half a million to a million dollars off a valuation of somewhere between 4 to $5 million. So that's a great boost in their valuation by the mere fact of coming through an accelerator program. Um, so if they're able to raise that money at the end of the uh, program, then our equity is very, very cheap.
0: What are some of the things you don't want to hear from uh, a startup who's pitching to
1: you? So we don't want to hear a lot of detail about product features and 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 really detail about how something works or the, the way it's built and things like that. What we're really interested in is what problem are you solving? Who are you solving it for? And why would they pay for it? Or is it a big enough pain for them to pay for? And then what do you think the market looks like is really important? What investors don't like to hear is, this is a billion dollar market, and I just need to get one percent. It's like means nothing, right? You need to be more granular about that. You need to have done some research. We do not like people who don't know how to use Google and come and pitch you something that you could go and buy ten times tomorrow, just on the web. You could see it there. So if you are in a space that there are other solutions, then you, you need to talk about them. You need not to pretend you're unique if you're not unique. And then you really need to think, how would I compete if all these other products are there? Why would people buy my product over someone else's? And if you just tell me because it's cheaper, then please go away, right? <laughs> because unless it's an order of magnitude cheaper, you know, then that is not going to going to make the big difference for people. People don't want just cheap, yeah? They want something that solves their problem. They want quality. They do want the lowest price, but just by saying, I am going to be cheap, is not going to do it. Um, and you've got to think, if you've got all these other competitors who already have customers and money, they can quite easily be cheaper than you anyway. Or yeah. for a sustained period of time until you go to business. Absolutely.
0: Let's talk about the founders. You mentioned about you really do look at the founders and the qualities of those people. What qualities are you actually looking for?
1: So, we're looking for grit and determination because running a startup is very, very hard. So, for anyone who's ever worked in sales, it's like working in sales on steroids in a lot of ways, so much stuff goes wrong. So much stuff doesn't happen how you want it to happen. You know, you have your master plan and it does, just doesn't work, right? And you have to keep changing. You have to keep readjusting. And so that resilience, that ability to just get knocked down and stand back up and, and keep going forward, so that innate optimism and innate innate belief in what you're doing is is really, really key. Um, so that's the core thing that we're looking for. Then we look for startups who you know, normally have one or two founders, oh sorry, two or three founders. So then we look at different skills amongst the founders and we do some personality testing. So we look at, is there a visionary in the business? Is there someone with attention to detail? Is there someone who is quite structured and wants a lot of control? Is there a person who's happy to delegate and and so forth? So we look at a range of things to make sure that we've got, in, in, in the leadership team, that we've got the range of skills that are needed. If they're not, but the people are still really good, we may say to them, hey, come on the program, but we think you need an XYZ in your team as well. And part of the program is we'll help you find one of those people. Um, And if, you know, they acknowledge that. So one of the things that I missed was, um, you know, we look for people who are coachable. So most accelerators are mentor-driven programs. So mentoring is about being able to, um, if you're a mentee, or like a mentee, a mentee, um, being able to listen to advice from a range of people and conflicting advice to be able to draw out the advice and the examples that may mean something to you, to be able to sort through that information and to be able to create the relationship with people who are trying to help you. So we call that being coachable. Um, And if if someone comes along to one of our pitch events and they know everything and they know the answer to every question and we ask a lot of questions and if they know everything and they don't need any help, they don't need any help, they don't need us, right? So we look for the people who who are open and they go, wow, yeah, I've never thought of that. And can you tell me more about your question, right? They're the sort of people that we're looking for. And then the people who can then process that. And they're not going to do what someone's told them to do. What they're doing is gathering information. They may need to make a decision and a really good founder may ask four, five, 10 people, depending on what the decision is, and actually get that input and then make the decision themselves. But they've made it not only using their experience, but using the experience of five or 10 other people.
0: So Trevor, are there any examples of entrepreneurs who have come through the program and have been really successful?
1: Yeah, there's a couple that uh, really jumped to mind. So a company out of Perth called Boundless, they do artificial intelligence um, around engagement in health and wellness. Um, so if you imagine like a Fitbit and an app telling you what you're doing and the exercise that you're doing and so forth. But that's a really good example where they're not selling direct to the consumer. They actually sell to the insurance uh, companies like Allianz, Aon and others like that. So the way they go to market is and why they came to us was to get access to those large companies, right? So rather than try and get people, trying to get thousands of consumers themselves who would use their app and 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 their smarts about wellness? They actually went to someone who has a vested interest in that, yeah, the life in or the health insurer, right? And then they use them as that channel to market as a way to get to market. Um, and you know they've been a great success and have grown very very fast. We had a company in our energy program called WePower. Um, during the program, they raised forty million US dollars. And what they're doing is um, enabling people who are building commercial solar plants to actually raise some of the equity, some of the capital needed uh, to build that plant from the public using blockchain, smart contracts, which are buzzwords that you can look up, um, and being able to forward sell that energy to consumers who are interested in green energy and and with a vision of 100% Green Renewable Energy. Um, so they've been a great success. They're launching here in Australia um, uh, with a major um, a major launch later this year. Um, and they're active here, Estonia and, and Spain. Um, so there's a couple of great examples of companies that have come through the program. One of the things, if I look at overall statistics, uh, we've had 660 startups come through Startup Bootcamp globally. Of those, 80% are still in business today. Now, typically in startup land, one in 10 startups survive. If you get yourself into an accelerator program, your chance of survival and the chance of your business prospering will change. The ratio will change. You'll have an eight or nine out of 10 chance of succeeding because you'll be connected with people you'll be connected with investors and you'll have great mentors surrounding you who can help you and advise you and guide you on your business.
0: What happens after the three months are up and they've got their 40 million or they've got some significant funding? What role do you play then, if any?
1: So it depends on the startup. In a number of cases, we sit on an advisory board. In some cases, we're actually on their formal board. Um, We're a shareholder. So therefore, we have a vested interest in the success of that that company. So they join our alumni um, and we open up all our contacts to them and they basically report to us once a month. They manage their stakeholders because we teach them how to do that. We're one of their stakeholders. So they report to us monthly with a very short report about what they're doing. And one key question on that report is what help do you need? And they always put something in that report. And then we act on that straight away. I need help with X, Y, Z. I need help getting to this person. And then we do our best to try and help them with that thing. So every month we try and help them with at least one thing. If they put down two things, with two things. And, and then we continue to guide them, um, you know, through, through the process.
0: So Trevor, in finishing up, how would you finish this sentence? Being a startup entrepreneur is...
1: The best job in the world.
0: If you want access to the movers and shakers in the startup sector, check out an accelerator. There's loads of them around, and the good news is they need you as much as you need them. Happy hunting! How to build an online business was produced by Dave Swalensky. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Executive producer is Grant Tothill.
1: now. Nah.